up here two weeks ago, and then Kirk uh, Harris talked about Christianity and politics last week, and I decided I should probably start working again, so I'm preaching tonight. And uh, I want to start by telling you a story. So it was 6.15 a.m. on a Saturday. This would have been March of 2014. And like most of you, at 6 a.m. on a Saturday, I found myself lying on the floor of my guest room in my wife and my condo. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit different from where you find yourself at 6.15 on a Saturday morning. And I had been awake for 15 minutes already. The reason I was laying on my floor was I had only been up for 15 minutes, but I was already overwhelmed with this sense of anxiety as I looked at what was before me that day. So this would have been my second year working here at the church, working at ECC, and it was great from day one, don't get me wrong. But 2013-2014 was also my first year taking seminary classes. And I was super gung-ho about it when I started seminary. I still take seminary classes. And so I scheduled three classes. And man, I was working during the day, and then I would go home after work and I would read. And then on the weekends, I would get up at 6 a.m. and I would read. My breaks would be for you know breakfast and lunch, and then I would ride my exercise bike and read or watch lectures. And so it was the worst break ever, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and so here I was at 6.15 in the morning on a Saturday, and I told my wife, this is supposed to be my day off, and I have so much to do, I feel paralyzed. I don't even know where to start. That was a terrible feeling, let me tell you. That was a terrible feeling. And so I got myself into trouble because I was way too eager to finish this degree. I should have just paced myself, but from the get-go, man, I was sprinting out of the gate, and I really got myself in a bad spot. Let me tell you how bad it was. My mind was so used to constantly running that I would find myself driving down the street and I would be counting to myself. Just counting to myself, one, one, two, two. Because my mind was so used to running, I could not turn it off. And uh, man, that was not a sustainable pace of life. You don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. and already feel exhausted after sleeping eight hours. That's not a good place to be. So what was my problem? Was I just being a baby? Um, was I just being a baby, Chris? Yes, that's what my wife told me. <laughs> did I just need to like suck it up and accept that adult life is hard? Is that what it was? Or did I have my spiritual did I have my spiritual priorities out of alignment? I swear, guys, I was doing my devotionals. I was doing my devotionals. I was praying, but I was still an absolute wreck. What was going on? I think that if I really would have stopped and thought about it and was honest with myself for five minutes, which I didn't have time for, I, I, so I thought I would have recognized that the root of my problem was that I had truly believed that the work that God had called me to was really meaningful, and seminary was part of that. It was school, and school is work, guys. I hate to tell you, you're, you have a job right now. Your job is to be a student, to study. That's where God has called you. It was work, and work might be incredibly valuable and meaningful, but God has not only created us to be working beings. He's created us also with a need to rest. We have a need to rest, and when we get that out of alignment in our lives, when we only work and we don't rest, it's only a matter of time before we blow up and we find ourselves lying on the floor of our guest room at 6 o'clock in the morning. And let me tell you, rest is really hard for your, for your lives right now. I know that. One of our band members was telling me he has five exams this week. I was like, man, Thank you so much for coming out, first of all. Second of all, you better leave here right now and go study. <laughs> resting in the real world is not always easy. And as we'll talk about tonight, resting 
requires faith. Resting is a discipline of faith. And it took more faith than I had in the story I just shared. You heard me say at the beginning, here at Connection, we're all about equipping you to live by faith in Christ now. Here in your life in college, living out your faith as an ambassador for Christ on campus. In your classes, in your sports teams, in the clubs, the organizations, the campus ministry you're a part of. And we also want to equip you to live by faith as a witness to Christ when you graduate, in your vocation, in your family, in your service in the community, in the church. And so tonight, I think that talking about work and work and rest together is an important way to do that. We did a series on work this fall, uh, pardon me, last spring. Does anybody remember that series? We talked about work and work, whether that's in your 9 to 5 job, your career from 9 to 5, whether that's working your family, working in the home, your service in the community, your service in the church. The work that we do is incredibly important. We just actually wrapped up a series on work in our men's ministry, 12.2. And if we're looking at scripture, we see from the very beginning of scripture in Genesis chapter 1 that God has really wired us for work as human beings. Our work is an opportunity for us to mirror his image. We're beings created in the image of God, according to God's own kind. And so we're unique in that regard over any other creature. He's made us to mirror him. And one of the ways that we do that is by finding meaning ourselves and creating and caring for God's own creation, stewarding over what he has made. And so what's really interesting to see is that God gave us the mandate to work before the entrance of sin into the world. And if any of you had a job, I'm sure some of you just shared about terrible work experiences. Um, man, work can sometimes be a bear. And even when you're doing work that you very much feel called to, there are aspects of that job that are very much still a job. That's why I have Miriam, the wonderful intern who takes care of dinner at Connections. <laughs> because when it was my job to cook you all dinner, I was terrible at it and I did not enjoy it. God gives us all differently. Thank you. Thank you for that. So work, it can be difficult, it can be frustrating, it can be stressful, it can be boring, and we can make work about the wrong things, but that does not mean that work itself is a bad thing. We can also twist work. We can make it about the wrong things. We can make work about acquiring wealth. We can make work about becoming significant people, people of status, who find our fulfillment and what we can accomplish. But that's not what work is about either. We can run on that hamster wheel, can't we? We can think about the future we want to live and think about the decisions we make based on what other people will be impressed by. How we can show the world that we really matter by what we do. The job titles that we have or what we make. That's not what work is about. Work is about us honoring the God who made us, the God who created us, shining a light on who is, serving others because of the way that he has served us. And so when we think about work, we do so with hope. We're a people of hope. Because through Jesus Christ, we're given God's grace. And we have new and eternal life in Him. And we have His Spirit within us. We're a people of hope because of the victory that Christ won for us on the cross. And so we live with that good news at the center of our lives. We live with a greater purpose in our work because in our work, we have the opportunity to reflect God's heart. We can be people who reach out and love our neighbors as ourselves and our work itself. When we come to our work with an attitude that is an offering of thanks to God, we shine a light on what He's done in Jesus Christ. We're able to offer up our work as an offering of thanks to God simply by doing our best. That's not my idea. That's Colossians 3, 23-24. Listen to this. Whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward to the day He comes. I love that verse. Sometimes we think about, what does it mean for us to live out our faith at work? I don't think this passage tells us that the way we live out our faith at work is if you're an accountant and you finish a great spreadsheet, you get down and do a little T-bone. That's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying that after I finish my sermon, I should go, yeah, glory goes to God, yeah. No, we do the best we can in the work that God has called us to, and we offer up our thanks to God simply by giving our best. We're called not to give a half-hearted effort. We can't just coast through our work, punching the clock and walking out. We're called to offer our best as an act of thanks for the gospel. Man, that gives such meaning and such purpose to our everyday work. Our work is so valuable. God has made us for it. It's how we're wired. But here's the thing. This is what we're talking about tonight. Why the Sabbath matters for you. God has also made us for rest. And when we ignore that reality, sooner or later things blow up. God has made the Sabbath for us. The Sabbath matters for all of us. Have you heard the word Sabbath before? In Hebrew, the word Sabbath means to cease or to rest. And the Sabbath is the name of the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It's a commandment given by God to Moses for the people of Israel. After their exodus from Egypt and their time of wandering before coming to the Promised Land, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments to instruct the people of Israel on how to live as his followers. So this is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. We read them in Exodus chapter 20 and then again in Deuteronomy 5. Let's check it out in Exodus 20. You can follow along on the screen. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So look at that passage. What is the Sabbath day? It's a holy day. It's a day that is separate, set apart, a day that is special, one that's different. And it's a day of rest for all people. It's a day that all people need. Why did God command the Sabbath to his people, the Israelites, to practice it? Because practicing the Sabbath, we see in this passage, was a way for them to express and honor how God had made them as beings in his own image. Do you see it there in verse 11? Verse 11 refers back to the creation story in Genesis 1 that I was just talking about. God created man on the sixth day, and then what did God do on the seventh day? He created man on the sixth day, and on the seventh day he rested. And so we read here that one of the ways God has wired us as bearers of his own image is with a need to rest ourselves. The, the human need for rest is not a sign of weakness. Sometimes we think about it that way, don't we? But that's not the truth. Our need for rest is not a sign of our weakness. It's a sign of our creation in the image of God. We all have a need for rest. Whether we're Christian or not, we all need to rest. We are not made as production machines. We're not machines. We are physical. We're emotional. We're spiritual beings. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, David writes. God gave us the Sabbath that we would stop in recognition of the reality that he's our creator, that he's our sustainer, and that he has made us like himself. And that means we have a need 
for rest, we need to pause in our work and find joy simply in existing in the world that God has made. And find joy in existing in God's presence. When is the last time you stopped and just found joy in existing in the world that God has made? And just simply finding joy in God's own presence. God has designed us for a rhythm of life where we steward over his creation and then we pull back to remember that it's all in his hands. He's in charge. Our lives are in him. And we remember that he's at the center of life. How cool is that, that God has made us with a need to rest? It brings us such life when we just chill out and give ourselves the space to remember how he's at the center of our lives. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. This passage shows us more about what the Sabbath is about. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your other animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And so, what else was commanded in the Sabbath? Look there, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. What we're looking at here is the fact that the Sabbath was given to remind the people of Israel that God is their Savior and their hope. It forced them to stop and remember the one who rescued them. That's why God gave the Sabbath, to cause the people of Israel to stop. In the midst of all they had to do, they had plenty to do, but they also had a need to stop and pause and remember where their help came from. That God was their provider, their savior. He was their hope. Think about all they've been through in Egypt, enslaved. Think about their escape from that land. Man, their lives were at risk. And all they were going through, they needed to stop and remember him as their creator and sustainer. And God, he was the creator of the universe. He had the universe in, their hand, in his hands. But what they needed to remember most was his faithfulness to them. He was the savior of their past, the savior of their present. And surely they could trust him with their future. And so something you guys know I just really enjoy seeing in the New Testament is the way that some passages in the New Testament point us, uh, some passages in the Old Testament, pardon me, point us to Christ in the New Testament. And so I want to take a look now at Hebrews chapter 4. This is such a cool passage because it totally makes that kind of connection with the Sabbath. How the law and the prophets of the Old Testament point us to fulfillment in Christ. The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 4, Remember how the Sabbath pointed the Israelites back to the truth that God was their ultimate provider and rescuer? He writes in verse 9, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So he's saying, remember how the Sabbath pointed the Israelites back to the truth that God was their provider and their rescuer? Check this out. 
God is the ultimate Sabbath rest. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Sabbath rest. It's only when people quit working and look to Christ, when we put down our own salvation projects and look to Christ, that we're able to be restored to the Father and reflect His own image in a new and restored way by the Spirit's power at work in us. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Sabbath rest for those who look to Him in faith. And it's practicing the Sabbath that reminds us of that. Resting in the midst of all that we have going on, it takes faith, doesn't it? It's not something that we feel like we can often do because of the busyness in our lives. If we aren't working, I mean, how are all the things that we have in our lives that are important to us, how are they going to get done? Don't we have a job to do? What's going to happen if we stop working? I guess your answer to that question really reflects who you believe is your provider at the end of the day. And oftentimes, my default mode of operating is to think that my life depends on me. It depends on what I can do, what I can accomplish, what I can get done. We live as if our lives depend on ourselves, as if everything hinges on what we do, don't we? The Sabbath is a gift from God in that it calls us to stop and remember that God is not only our creator, but he is our provider. He's our sustainer. He is our hope and our salvation is in him. And so the Sabbath is this God-given weekly reset button where we stop and we pause and our perspective on life is changed as we refocus our hearts on the hope that we have in Christ, the finished work of Christ. The Sabbath is such a gift to us but that's not to say that we are always going to feel like we want it. There are things that we need that we're not always going to feel like we want. And the times we need the Sabbath most are going to be moments where we're tempted to not rest. And that's why the Sabbath is a discipline of faith. And the Sabbath, it's about more than just creating space in your schedule. We can't just say, okay, God, I'm taking this day off. I'm not going to work. And then we just sit on the couch anxious to the point of illness because we're overwhelmed with anxiety. That is not practicing the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about pausing in your work so that you can settle your heart in the reality that your life is in Christ and He's got it all under control. That is what the Sabbath is about. Listen to the promise of Jesus Christ. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do you see that? God's, God's promises are not given to you in proportion to your faith. He gives to us generously beyond what we deserve. He's a gracious God. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Think about that. Think about 
the uncertainty of life and the challenges before you. We are people of hope because our provision and our rest is in Jesus Christ. We can trust Him with every area of our lives. If God went so far to meet our need by sending His own Son to the cross on our behalf, how much more can we trust Him with our lives? And so the question I have for you is, where is God calling you to trust Him in your life? It's probably an area that you feel you absolutely can't let go of. It's probably an area where you feel like if you take your foot off the gas for five seconds, things are going to fall apart. God, I've got to control this. I will worship you on Sunday morning. I will come to church, but this is mine. Where is God calling you to let go of control, to trust in His promises? You can believe in His promises. They are a solid hope. What needs to happen in your heart for you to find your rest in Jesus Christ? He has provided for you in the way you needed it most, through His death and through His resurrection. Surely you can trust Him with all of your life. And so let's think about a few practical ways that we can implement Sabbath rest in our lives. And the first way I want to encourage you to do this is by setting aside one day a week where you take your foot off the gas and you rest from work, where you just completely rest. If you have the space in your schedule, one and a half or two days is even better than one. If you have that margin, you can swing it, do it. Two things I want to encourage you to do on those days of Sabbath rest. The first is this. Spend extra time in the Word and prayer. If we're going to find our, our rest in Christ, we need to center our hearts and our minds on the truth. So remember the God who made you. Remember the God who sustains you. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. Take the time to focus your heart on Him. So be in worship. Be in community with other believers who you can encourage in the truth and who can lift you up in the truth. I hope Connection is a great place for you to do that, so I'm glad you're here. The second thing I want to encourage you to do on those days of Sabbath rest is do things that bring you life and refreshment. Do things that bring you that joy simply in being alive. Do things that are fun. Get outside. Watch a funny TV show. Stop working. We need to find rest and refreshment and enjoying life. So spend time with friends. Spend time with family. Do things that bring you life. One thing that should never be on your mind when it comes to practicing the Sabbath is a sense of burden that you need to obey it in some sort of mechanical way. Like if you have a big exam tomorrow, it's okay for you to go home and study today. But find another day that you can make your day of rest. Make it a Saturday. Make it a Friday. Where you ever have that space, be creative. The Sabbath is a gift for you. Don't be mechanical in the way that you apply it. Don't feel a sense of legalistic burden in the way that you practice this gift that God has given you. But one warning I need to give you is be ready. All because you have a conviction to practice the Sabbath does not mean your to-do list is going to shrink. It is going to be a challenge for you to do this. The Sabbath is a discipline of faith, but God will reward you in this as you practice it because your heart will be recentered in all that you do. And let me be honest. The times where I don't work and I press too hard thinking that it's all on me are times where I am way less effective than, I would, than when I just chill out and stop and say, you know what, God, I can't keep going at this pace or I'm going to burn out. And I rest, I give myself a break, find my rest in Him, and God recharges me. He gives me strength by His Spirit. Guys, you can't do it on your own. Back off. Find your rest in Christ. It's so valuable. We can't, we can't do it on our own strength. The Sabbath is such a gift to us in so many ways. 
the refreshment that God is able to give to us when we finally put our hands down is something that's very powerful. And one thing that we need to be aware of is this. We as Christians are guilty of often spiritualizing our failure to rest. <coughs> we can wear ourselves out doing good things. I remember a conversation that I had with a student a few years ago, and, and we were talking, and he was saying to me, man, I'm having a really rough time in my life right now. Um, I'm discouraged in my faith, and I just have no passion, if I'm being honest. I'm going to church on Sunday mornings. I'm going to Connection. I don't know what's wrong. I'm going to a Bible study that I'm leading, and I know that's not enough for me, and so I'm also going to a Bible study with my peers, and I'm, I'm discipling a guy from my church. I don't know what's wrong with me, and I also have someone who's discipling me. And I'm meeting with a group of leaders from the campus ministry I'm involved with. I said, dude, I know what's wrong with you. You are absolutely wearing yourself out with good things. You need to stop it. You need to take a break and rest because this is really unhealthy. God has not only made you to work, and your services work. He's made you to rest, and you are wearing yourself out, man. And so if connection is the only thing that you can cut from your schedule without devastating someone, man, I will miss you, but I don't want to see you here. I want to, like, go for a run or watch The Office. <laughs> you, do not be, you do not need to be adding another spiritual obligation to your life. Like, find some rest, find some refreshment. And let me tell you, I don't make that comment without counting the cost. Because I would love to see him here. I'd love him to be here. But his health is more important to me than the number of attendants. And so, guys, let me tell you, serve with a full heart. Your work is meaningful, but don't fall into the trap of working, 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 and never resting. Don't fall into that trap, and don't let anybody else push you into it either. Defend your spiritual health in Christ. You are wired with a need to work and find meaning in it, and you're also wired with a need for rest. Let me tell you, God built his church way before any of us were ever here. And he's going to build his church way long after each and every one of us has been dead for a thousand years. And so we can rest. We can hope in Christ and his power to work in the world. Man, I'll get off my soapbox. Sabbath rest, what a gift it is to us. Make it a priority to press pause on your life. Press pause on your work every week and remember the God who has created you, the God who's provided for you, and the way you need it most in Jesus Christ. Enjoy the relationship you have with Him. He loves you more than you'll ever understand, and you can trust Him with whatever you have going on. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. It teaches us so much. It teaches us that we are people who find such meaning in life because you have made us in your image. You're a God who's wired us to work, to reflect your own image as we steward your creation, God. And as people of faith in Jesus Christ, we find even greater purpose in that as we shine a light on the good news of what you've done for us by loving our neighbors as ourselves in our work and by offering our very best in our work as an offering of thanks for what you've done for us in Christ, God. But we also know that you've not only created us for work, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, God. And that's not a sign of our weakness, it's a sign of being made in your own image, that we are people who need to stop and rest. The world does not depend on us, God. You're at the center of it. We need to stop and rest 
and remember that you are creator, you are sustainer, and you have rescued us, God. We thank you for the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you would give us faith to lay down our work. Whether those are the works that we think we need to do to gain right relationship with you, God, or the works that we think we need to do to make the lives that you call us to happen. Help us to know that our life is not dependent on our performance, but on your performance on our behalf on the cross. And by the power of your spirit at work within us, God. And so whatever it is that we need to trust to you, that we would be able to live as people of freedom, as people of joy, as people of faith, as people of hope in our lives, would you do that work in our hearts, God? Would you set us free of that to find our life in you? And so now as we respond to you in worship, would we remember all that is ours in Christ? And would we walk out of here as people changed by that, that we might be ambassadors of good news to the world? And we pray this together in Jesus' name.